Here we are again with uh, Ed and Red Show. I'm Ed the Sock. Joining me is Red, a.k.a. Leanna Kay. Hello, Leanna. Hello. Um, it's beginning to look a lot like last year. Yeah. Um, last year at this time, we were still uh, quarantining and uh, self-isolating and not having Christmas parties. And Christmas was, was not going to be Christmas for people. And this year, well, we don't have the quarantining yet. We don't have the self-isolation, uh, whatever it's called, yet. Well, they're, they're telling people to do it, even though they're not making people do it. And that's foolishness. And uh, we have quantity or uh, capacity limits again introduced yep. in various venues. Which I think is the right call for the record. Well, I, I don't know that they ever should have gone so quickly to 100% capacity. I, I didn't mind them um, dropping it for the, uh, the summer when, you know, everything can be outdoors and transmission rates are lower. But there should have been an understanding that don't get used to this. Once the cooler months come, it is very likely that case counts are going to start going back up. So enjoy it while it lasts but you know let's be realistic about this this is still exactly what people who know what they're talking about were predicting until covid is controlled around the world this is gonna keep happening because viruses mutate and mutations evade vaccines and you know it's just it, I know there are people that are really upset that, you know, they're being cautioned against these big family Christmases, but, you know, we're, we're talking about this is a second year we've had to do this, right? That's it. And there have been other times in human history where people weren't home for Christmas. I mean, there's a reason that um, white Christmas became such a big hit with people serving in the military. <laughs> even though the origins of that song are very, very sad. But, you know, people are missing the bigger picture that if you want your family members to be around for Christmases to come, you've got to do what you've got to do this year. And this is not the first time in human history this has happened. This will not be the last time. There's always a different reason. Yeah, um, but you know what? This is the first time in modern history that it's happened. And so that's what? all that, that's all that matters to people who, uh, you know, their memories extend to basically yesterday. Um, so, so this th there's there's no sense of context, Leanna. There's no Ed, sense of that this ha this happened once before. So what? People used to have to crank their cars to get started. To. People, they don't care. They don't care that it happened so before. It's so profoundly narcissistic. It's worse when it happens to you. It's not so bad when you read about it in the history books, but it's bad when it happens to you. Okay, and that's the bottom line. It's not just history books. I mean, this is this is going to sound like a weird tangent, but this is why I, oh, all, I didn't understand people, you know, this embrace of superheroes that we allegedly have right now. So many of them are classic. I mean, you know, uh, Wonder Woman went back to World War One. Captain America went back to World War Two. 
things like that. But then you have, you know, these big wars where millions of people get killed on screen and everybody's like, yay, you know, and they they hold these people Wait, wait, up. wait. They what? weren't people that were killed. They were aliens. Oh, no, they, they, they it is canon that millions of people got killed in New York City in the first Avengers movie. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, come I on. Mean, they, come they on. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You mean that uh, Black Widow shooting her little gun and Hawkeye shooting his arrows weren't able to stop an invading horde of flying aliens with guns? There, there was a line as a joke in a film. And this this was one of the moments I'm like, I. I they're smack talking Loki again. Um, and it's uh, oops, my uh, headset. Am I still there? Yeah, you're still here. You went okay. away for a second. But yeah, I, I bumped the USB thing, but like I'll I'll pick that up again. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There's a scene in in one of the Avengers movies where you know they're smack talking Loki again because somebody has to be a villain and ha ha ha. Let's make fun of the guy with daddy issues. But uh, you know it's they're talking. Thor goes to defend him. He's like he is a son of Asgard, and and I think it's Black Widow said he killed eight million people, and Thor says. He is adopted. Never mind. Thor was Thor was like slaughtering frost giants like a pro at the beginning of his first movie. But, but yeah, they were aliens. No, they weren't aliens. Those were human beings in New York. That no, the frost were, giants. The frost giant. Well, they were cares though. about his, frost his giants. Brother, his own brother, the guy he was raised with, is a frost giant, and they were killing his own people together. And they wonder why this dude went bad, right? Like. You're talking no, about a guy who had no his own appearance. Frost giants, none at all. They're just I, frosty and giant. But this, this is sort of my point that we have become so complacent in being fine with horrible things being done by allegedly heroic people to the other, to people we see as not like us, and then we want compassion when we have hardship and it just does not work that way because when you show no compassion to the other you cannot expect the other to have any compassion for you and you're saying we should be compassionate to the aliens that invaded new york in the avengers movie well okay we we can get into the issues with the whole chitari thing and and tony Stark's actions at the end of avengers endgame but that starts online fights so maybe we should not it's you know what else starts online fights what the sun came up today well yes i mean if if you're in in alaska it might not have let's let's be fair let's not generalize but yeah it's i guess it's because generalizing is great i guess it's because i was always the kid that got picked on for being different and people thought it was fine because i was just weird and you know needed needed to learn to be normal and and act and talk like everybody else that I I always sort of look at these stories of heroism and villainy like hold up wait you know and a lot of people don't do that and so it really leads them leaves them with an empathy deficit and yet they sure understand empathy when they want it right are, are we still talking about closing down restaurants yeah yeah because let's face it Closing down restaurants and only being able to see a few people for Christmas, that is an inconvenience, not a hardship. And this generation, these generations, I should say, they don't understand what a real hardship is. A hardship 
to these generations, and I'm in one of those generations, is uh, having too many shows on at the same time that you can't record them all on your PVR. That's okay, a hard I'm going dis- to disagree with that because, you know, uh, Gen Zers, um, I hate that we have to say Z, we're in Canada, it said. Okay, Gen Zers. Gen Zers, that sounds dumb, right? Zoomers, that's a magazine. We don't have a term. But anyway, people who are just coming into adulthood and are trying to get on the adult track right now, I don't know how they get into the housing market. And the housing market is so tied to being a fully fledged human in our society that that is not just an inconvenience. That is a legitimate problem. There are legitimate problems facing even still millennials now who are behind in terms of because you have to start saving for retirement when you're like 30 now. It's absurd. But, you know, there, there are real issues. There are real problems. There are things that are legitimate hardships in the world right now. People do know hardship, some people. Uh, uh, the yeah, point you're is, right. The point some is, do. the point is having a somewhat smaller Christmas is not a hardship. And I'm, I'm somebody, Ed, you know this. I love having like 25 people over for a Passover Seder or a Rosh Hashanah dinner, right? I, I love that stuff. I love feeding small armies of people. But I recognize, yeah, last year it wasn't happening. This year it's not happening. You know what? I'm dealing. I, you know, I, yeah, but I, I... Look, you're right about the, the housing market and so on. But the truth is, as far as day to day, most people in, in uh, Gen X, Millennial, Gen Z, um, to them, the idea that their local Starbucks doesn't carry oat milk, that is a hardship. I don't know about Gen X. I disagree with Gen X. We, we act like we don't care about anything. Yeah, but we do. We do, but we actually care. We don't performatively care. And you know what? The thing is, there's a lot of one, one thing that's being missed here is there's a lot of people out there who are cheering this idea that we have to have smaller Christmases because they don't want to see their family. They don't want to have to go to staff Christmas parties with a bunch of idiots who drink and then say things you can never unhear. They don't want to have to go and hear Uncle Ralph's Trump nonsense. They don't want to have to go and hang out with siblings they don't really like and aunts and uncles they don't really like, people who are forced to get together because that's what you do at Christmas. There's a lot of people out there cheering, embracing this like a lover that uh, they're not allowed to have uh, Christmas gatherings. There's some people who, for whom this is just such a release, a relief. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I'm not, I'm not speaking to them. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about people who are really upset because, you know, you don't have to, you don't get everybody around. And that's why I think it's kind of cool that the Disney plus Hawkeye series is about a guy who has to miss Christmas with his family because reasons. Um, he hasn't hey. missed it yet. Well, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's dealing with the understanding that he might. And you know, damn well that the series is going to end with him having Christmas with his family, with Kate Bishop and the, the one eyed dog. I, I, I dig the one eyed dog, but now we're at the point where your mic just popped out again. Oh my God. Um, is it back? Yeah, you're back now. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to predict what's happening at the end of of Hawkeye, 
because likely what will happen at the end of Hawkeye is some tie in to some other thing because you have to watch everything in the MCU to know what the heck is going on. And that's why people have jumped off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it, you know, the point is that it's an it's a, I think, unpredictably timely story. And yet it is kind of a cliche in media, right? The whole I'll be home for Christmas trope. Well, the uh, I feel bad for restaurants because there a lot of restaurants are saying they're getting a ton of cancellations for parties and restaurants right. have just started to to feel the, the boot off their neck as far as uh, uh, financial strains. They're starting to get on their knees, never mind on their feet. Then this hits them and there isn't any program in place right now that I understand, like before the, the CERB for business, I don't know if that's still in place or not. It's not there for people. And the government's going to have to step up again with supports um, or can, uh, people are going to fall they, through the... Can they? Why can, can they not? Well, Parliament's already gone home for the winter. Oh, they can call emergency sessions. They can do whatever. I they, mean, my uh, attitude is this is a solvable problem. Um, so... If people are sober-minded and responsible and mature, this is a solvable problem. In other words, this is not a solvable problem. <laughs> I was thinking more some sort of um, government support for ref uh, restaurants that have legitimate hardship. Um, you know, I can't think of a restaurant that doesn't have legitimate hardships. Um, Maybe pizza pizza, because a lot of businesses take out anyway. But I mean, there's there's a Mexican place near me that's been doing a booming business the entire time. They won't do takeout during their busy times because they're too busy. So they're doing fine. <laughs> Wait a minute. They're too busy with takeout to take takeout. No, they won't. They won't fill takeout orders when the restaurant itself is busy. Well, the restaurant itself isn't going to be busy now. Well, it, though, it. I mean, this was this was during the lockdowns or this was during partial capacity that they were saying, no, we're too busy. We can't do takeout. So I'm like, all right, they're clearly doing well. Good for them. But uh, yeah, maybe it's a mob front. I don't think so. I think it's just Laundering it's a small money for the place. mob. It's a small place. And, and either the, the rent mob. is very cheap or they own the build. Oh, yeah. The big Mexican mob in Canada. Yeah, they're but, they're laundering money for the don't Mexican. Don't do mob. that. Don't don't invoke racial stereotypes. When I'm telling a, a story I'm only, about a restaurant. No, no, no. Well. There's all kinds of mobs from every gender, every ethnicity. But you're but talking it, about a Mexican restaurant. They're not going to be moving things for the Polish mafia. But if it were the an Irish pub, would it be the Irish mafia? Yes. You you actually think that all restaurants are mob fronts? No, just a restaurant that during a pandemic says uh, where they don't have people, uh, they don't have enough people. Uh, in their restaurant, say they can't take takeout orders. Okay, that's, that's fishy to me. No, don't forget that they're that they you know they lay people off to get through, and so yeah, they can't fill as many orders. My point is, you know, it's a it's a fairly small place. Uh, they either own their building or the rent is really cheap. They're doing okay. Or the, the mob is financing it. The the great big, you know, sports bar style places that cater to drinking crowds, in-person drinking crowds later at night, I suspect they're probably hurting 
because they don't get the same alcohol markup with takeout, right? Well, they can't, you really can't send alcohol out as a restaurant. I think Ford tried to change that because of course, anything with alcohol, old Dougie is like, we must intervene. You know, COVID, COVID rapid tests at the LCBO instead of drugstores. I don't get that, but whatever. Got yelled at on Twitter for that this week. But well, uh, you can, the thing is that you can go to the LCBO, get a rapid test and buy yourself a bottle of Imperial Cream Sherry. For $9. Or, you know, grab yourself a bottle of Blue Nun or Baby Duck. Okay. And fine Canadian wines. You're just naming off cheap alcohol to make me feel like I'm going to vomit. What? Have you ever tried Blue Nun? I, I can't get past the smell of those cheap sweet wines blue baby duck you ever tried baby oh, duck those, baby ducks those are so cute. wines smell like like gripe water and feet what about mad dog you ever tried any manischewitz uh manischewitz is it just smells like grape juice it's still horrendous to drink but it at, at least it just it smells like a smell that is not rotting and is not yeasty it just smells very very sweet so you don't like sweet wines? I no, they give me a headache. I, I cannot do. What sweet. about this? Is a dry wine, isn't it? Hawk dollar. No, that's not a dry wine. It's not. You just like the commercials from the eighties for Hawk dollar. That's there what everybody com- knows there about. There were Hawk only Toller. commercials from the eighties. Yeah, but the 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 lady dressed up like Zatanna. Yeah, with sang the, the, the song black for Hawk Toller. Singing a song. Yeah, her name was I think Carrie Keen, Canadian actress. Yeah. But I'm yeah. sure she's proud to have that still on her resume. Hey, hey weren't you the hot color girl? At least she accomplished something in life, right? Hey, in Canadian show business, that makes her royalty. She's somebody I, who people can recognize. Yeah, I, I don't like this. A woman took a job that happened to hinge on certain assets and therefore she should be shamed forever like the poor woman shame? from the Blurred Lines video. I'm not, I'm not shaming her. I think that she did a fantastic job. Listen, in Canadian show business, if you're recognized for whatever, that's a bonus. Because, you know, Heartland has been on CBC for a thousand years. I wouldn't be able to recognize any of them if I uh, passed gas in their presence. This is true. People know who you are. They don't know who I am, even though we were on the same show. That, that's right, because I am a phallic symbol. And it is very why? primal. I'm a phallic symbol smoking a phallic symbol. So going to to the young archetypes, it imprints on people more strongly. All right. We should go to a break. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about sex in the city today. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about. um, I'm forgetting now what I what the topics were. Um, I'll refresh my memory and uh, we'll be back after this on uh, Ed and Red on Saga 960 AM. Now, Liana, you've been to L.A. many times. I, I have. Doing uh, TV things, uh, as, as have I. And there is a a sort of legendary uh, hamburger, like fast food joint there called In-N-Out Burger. And, you know, when I first heard of it, I thought In-N-Out Burger 
you're describing a uh, elementary process because yes, it goes in and yes, it goes out. Yes. Um, so I was thinking that this this sounds like a slider. Like, in other words, it goes right through your your intestines and whoop, out the uh, hoop. Um, but people love this In-N-Out Burger. I've eaten it In-N-Out Burger. I do not understand why people love In-N-Out Burger, much like White Castle. It, I don't a- understand the love for this greasy, disgusting burger and uh, the fries, the salty fries. It's uh, typical of Americans. The worse it is for you, the more they embrace it and make it part of Americana. And uh, have you eaten an In-N-Out burger? I can't get past the smell. It's another right. thing I can't get. Uh, I am big. I am big on smells. If I can't get past the smell of something, I'm not going to eat it. And there was a the hotel we used to stay at in L.A. It was right next to the an In-N-Out Burger, and the smell coming from that place just. And that can't. was just the patrons. No, it there. You know, there's that 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 fry that that deep fryer smell that comes off some of those places i don't know that place it has a drive-through that drive-through is full of cars yeah 24 hours a day i i do not get and that's fine i don't have to i mean i don't eat meat so it's america if somebody opened up uh, a restaurant or a fast food chain and called it fat and salt americans would just go crazy lining up for it a fat and salt burger yeah, but these are Canadians doing it here. Now, that's the weird thing. Now, In-N-Out Burger is coming to Canada, and they opened a pop-up shop this past week, and people were lined up. Like, are we really begging for burger options in this city? There are so many burger places, the established ones, and then there's uh, small, like, single uh, location ones, which are really popular, and then there are new sort of quasi-chains that open up that are sort of burger, uh, gourmet burgers. In other words, they uh, bend you over the counter and uh, and take the money from you when uh, you're paying for a burger that should cost about two bucks and it costs you about nine to 11 bucks. Well, okay, the cost of meat has gone up, so let's be generous there, but. Um, I'm talking about this is the price before the supply chain issues happened. Right, right, no, I. <laughs> So I don't why know. do we need this? Why do we need another burger chain, another American burger chain in this country? And why are people lining up for it? This is not this burger is not especially tasty. It is not especially different. It is not, it's just more American culture that we just line up and go, oh, please give me more, more, more. You you answered your own question. People are doing it because it's a thing, because it's a cultural thing. They can say they were there. Um, yeah, that's that's a proud thing to tell your grandchildren. Well, they don't tell their grandchildren. They tell their buddies. Right. It it we're we're a little bereft of stuff to do right now. So, you know, if you if you can't afford very expensive sports tickets, you know, concerts aren't happening right now. People people are bored. And so they'll line up. It's not that cold. Right. You know, it's unseasonably warm temperatures. So people line up for it's the same way they lined up for Krispy Kreme and they lined up for Chick-fil-A. It's not Chick-fil-A about Chick-fil-A is actually opening its first Canadian branch yeah. here. And I, I'm like, do we need more restaurant chains owned by bigots? I, I'm just, I'm not sure. Um, we, uh, the thing is, this is, a, this is, a, In-N-Out Burger is Americana 
And something I don't understand, much like another piece of Americana, American culture, I don't understand, sex in the city. I don't no. get this show. Maybe it's good. Okay, it isn't aimed at me. I am not a woman. I, uh, I can't. I, I, I despise sex in the city with a passion. I mean, now it's okay to say you don't like sex in the city because Chris Noth got accused by two women of, of sexual assault. So now it's okay to dunk on sex in the city. You got scorched off the internet and scorched out of a lot of friends groups back in the heyday of Sex in the City when you said you didn't like the show and you thought it was full of terrible people. And um, I, I am one of those people who was subjected to some scorching because I, I can't get through an episode of Sex in the City in a single seating. I have to stop, pause, calm the heck down and then resume. I only watched it because everybody was talking about it. And the show is terrible and about terrible people. And it's just creating this moral permission structure for Karens to Karen because feelings. It just, it's awful. The show is awful. And I haven't seen the new stuff, but I suspect it's even worse without Kim Cattrall because Samantha was the only character who seemed to even remotely like other humans. I, uh, this show was very popular. I did hear it described one place that Sex in the City was a, was stories that gay men tell about themselves because that's who basically writes and runs. Yeah, and, uh, and cast women. And cast, and cast women in the roles. Um, I don't know if that's true. I, I it never, was very amusing and made me chuckle. I um, never even understood the fashion icon element of that show. Well, it's wish fulfillment, right? Like, there's a lot of, I guess. Is it? I don't. I have guess there's the a wish lot of to... women out there who uh, wish that they could be bon vivants and doing one column a week and er, having a giant apartment in uh, in Manhattan and doing whatever they want. I mean, it's it's not something that people. I think it's something that women don't wouldn't really really like, the... but they like to think they might like it. The appeal was apparently showing allegedly real private conversations the way women really talk to each other okay and you're no, a woman is that it do they talk like that not well it was a whole thing that they sort of talked openly about sex and oh, you can't say that and so it was an, it was one of those things where um being a terrible person was confused with depth and like no, if I was surrounded by people who behaved the way those characters did, I would probably find myself a new circle of friends because they're terrible people, like legitimately terrible people. And I kind of, I kind of see them as sort of a female version of the TV show Entourage, which was about a bunch of male douchebags. Okay, and but they uh, yes, there there's 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 overlap there, but at least the male douchebags were trying to accomplish something other than getting a guy picking apart the guy, finding something wrong with the guy, and then being sad when the guy left. Unless the guy came back, and then you just treat the guy terribly again. Um, I they they weren't trying to accomplish anything laudable. None of them were trying to cure uh, cancer. They, they were a bunch of douchebags. And I watched the show and I laughed at them, not yeah. with them. See, the thing is, I knew somebody. Uh, I know now that whenever I ran into somebody who really loved Entourage and 
didn't realize that these people were giant douchebags. Yeah. Then I know the person I'm talking to, giant douchebag. Um, and so I guess maybe for a lot of women, sex in the city is the same thing. If you watch it to laugh at it, it's See, one not, thing. But if you watch it saying, I really care about these characters, I'd like to have their life. You are a female douchebag. I, see, I would actually say the show Girls is more like that as opposed to Sex and the City. Sex and the City tries very, very hard to make you like the characters, whereas Girls, they're train wreck, hot messes. They make terrible decisions. You hate all of them. But the show, even though it, it it's like nails on a blackboard to watch it for me, at least it's deliberate nails on the blackboard. And I I, I get the sense the show is allowing me you know, sort of the agency to detest everyone on it. Sex and the City wasn't like that. Sex and the City, it was all, you know, first person narrative. Oh, you know how all these characters are feeling. And so you root for them. And no, no, I didn't. I wanted to see Carrie fail because everything about her was, you know, we didn't have the term Karen back then. No, you had Carrie. <laughs> I had Carrie. Yeah. Very close. That that just shows how much culture has changed because, you know, the whole Mr. Big thing with Carrie, we don't have time to get into why Mr. Big was terrible and just showed how terrible Carrie is. But I never got was, it. Was he called Mr. Big because he had allegedly had a large hog? I guess. Because I, I, I never understood that was it. it. I don't so was it supposedly much... that the guy was just strapping. Yeah, I mean, so I have memory hold so much of Sex in the City because it it actually it actually made me not only feel angry to watch the show, but the experience of watching Sex in the City made me feel like I counted less as a, you know, the, the female half of the planet because my life is nothing like that. I don't aspire to have my life be nothing like that. I don't want friends like that. It, it just, it, it was this weirdly, oddly invalidating experience where I couldn't relate to it at all and everybody loved it. So I felt like, is there something wrong with me? Am I missing something here? And then I realized, no, I'm not missing anything here. It was terrible television about terrible people for terrible people. I guarantee you, if you did an exit interview with every one of those Karens featured in those videos on the internet and said, did you watch Sex in the City? They would all say yes. Oh, oh, probably. I mean, okay, Beyonce watches Sex in the City too, so like that's fine. But and I'm sure there are people. Sure, who... so Beyonce watches it because most people are, are watching it of average or middle class means. Are like, wow, look at the opulence, the way these people live. Beyonce's watching it, and saying, look how the little people live. Maybe, but I mean, okay, yes, that's true. Beyonce is sort sort of bougie, so I guess that's that's reality for her. But but that's the thing. Can we please get shows like the Golden Girls? existed in the 80s and now we have nonsense like sex in the city and girls could we please get shows like the golden girls back please i don't want to get the golden girls back if it's going to be golden girls uh like sex in the city and it's all these octogenarians it, talking about their sex except, life but that's what golden girls was i mean they talked about their sex lives a lot on that no, show. no just one character no, they they had, I mean, Rose talked about it a lot and Dorothy talked about how terrible it was for her. And then there was there was a Blanche who, if you were to believe the stories on Golden Girls, um, her, her, her legs were permanently open 
Like she was they, having sex daily with there different was actually, guys. There was actually an article about they counted how many encounters Blanche had versus how many encounters the Sex and the City characters had. And, and Blanche just like, now you were supposed to believe Blanche was something of a tall tale teller to an extent. And she did have lines um that you know there's a great line in the golden girls that you know i i do what i do because i like the person i'm with not because i'm trying to make them like me and i thought that was a really important statement for the character to make early on in the series but yeah i mean blanche was sort of a trailblazer of sex positivity back in the day the thing i liked about blanche and the thing i liked about um samantha on sex in the city is is she lived her life and she didn't agonize over it and that's why without samantha i i don't think the formula is the same and i think that might be why some people are waking up to the fact that these people are terrible because without that character that didn't agonize over everything and was still a terrible person anyway you really see the terrible you know you know what i saw the other day uh you know you know the game clue the board game clue yeah I saw Golden Girls Clue. Yeah. It's the, you're playing instead of Colonel Mustard and stuff. I guess it's, uh, you know, they have, Dorothy, they have secondary characters. Yeah. Dorothy did it with a rolling pin in the lanai. There, like there's I, I, this, it, it's so there, weird to me. Golden Girls Clue. There's like, Golden Girls everything women, right now. But are these are these women now? Is, is one of them allegedly a murderer? Is that oh, what pic, this is about? They're killers? Sicily, right? They're, it's the crime of who ate the cheesecake. And the crazy thing is the box cover, it has art that looks like Blanche, that looks like Dorothy, that looks like Rose, but the, uh, the, the, the mother character doesn't look like Estelle Getty. She looks like some Why? old crone. She doesn't look like Estelle Getty at all. It's like they didn't have the rights to Estelle Getty, but they had the rights to the likenesses of the other three. I, I don't know. It's, it's not really B. Arthur's face either. I mean, the box art isn't great. It's Imagine, like, strange, some other but... Golden Girls Battleship. Well, I, you know, there's this explosion in Golden Girls merchandise right now, and I think that's great. People are rediscovering the show, and, you know, I think it's important for, for people to actually see, to quote, you know, the Bechdel test, a show where four women talk to each other about something other than a man. So, you know, bring on the Golden Girls. I'm I'm good with this Golden Girls revival. It, I'd it, like it, to find it, uh, shows with a bunch of guys where they don't spend the time talking about women. Um, true, but I mean, there's there's going to be apparently like in movie theaters, there's going to be a one day event for Betty White's birthday, I think, in January. So God willing, she makes it. Yeah, she's got to make it. I think everybody's like, please, please, Betty White, just hang on. Like people protect Betty White right now. Well, Betty Bring White's a Highlander. Yeah, she's a Highlander, which, which means since there can be only one, she is responsible for killing Abe Vigoda. This this Golden Girls clue is quite cute. I don't get it. It's it's quite cute. It's uh, the weapons are like a can of hairspray, a bathrobe, a purse, a lipstick, one of those palm, you know, the palm leaf chairs. You kill then, somebody with a bathrobe? I well, I guess. Um, and then one of Blanche's shoes. One thing should just be a pillow because you smother old people in their sleep. 
I see that on lots of crime dramas. The, the way your mind works is sometimes quite terrifying. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, we got things to talk about, including dogs uh, and the pet well, industry. How expensive it is to own a pet right now. Holy shoot. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the government's attempt to bring internet giants to heel. We'll, uh, once again, they're going to try it. Um, I have views. Yeah, uh, you really? That surprises me. If you didn't have, have news, views, why would we have you here? All right. Uh, we'll be back with more on uh, Saga 960 AM. Well, yeah, now the government wanted to uh, put some uh, limits or, or, or some fees on the internet giants that are taking money out of Canada and, uh, you know, making local news, for example, uh, suffer financially um, and not supporting independent Canadian productions like every other uh, broadcaster well, has is, to in this country. This and is specifically Canadian news outlets. This is Canadian news outlets. Yeah. Um, they, uh, the government gave some pocket change to support uh, local news in the last the last uh, term of the last government, and then they tried to impose Canadian content rules and Canadian content investment rules on uh, the internet giants, uh, the Netflixes, the Googles, mm -hmm. the the you know those companies. Uh, that died when the last government uh, was dissolved. They're they're ramping it up again. They want yeah. uh, they want the internet giants to pay fees to help support local Canadian news. Yeah, the the challenge is how not to unfairly penalize content creators like me who aren't major, you know, major internet juggernauts who produce content and refer to other things in my content. Am I going to be smacked with fees for referencing, say, a CTV news story? That's what they've nah, got to they, thread they, the I think needle. What they got to say is you need to be making $100 million dollars. Or something like that until it, yeah, it that, you know, below that, that it be, doesn't affect you. That'd be a really simple way to solve the problem. Yeah, yeah but just, they're because they, we're not going after mom and pop uh, video content producers. This, this bill, this this various attempts at legislation has become a casualty of the culture war, where conservatives, especially American conservatives, have seized on this because for whatever reason, American conservatism is terrified of Canada. And they because made, we're America that works, I guess. But they made people believe there were things about the legislation that just weren't there in a particular. Um, well, you know who's behind that is the, the big money behind these big American tech giants are generating articles and paying people to write yeah. things. It's a it's an orchestrated campaign. They don't want to have to pay money in Canada to operate like everybody else does. They and, don't want a level playing field. Yeah, I mean, nobody seems to care that YouTube doesn't respect satire and parody, fair use, uh, uh, freedoms that, that that does not exist on YouTube. It doesn't matter if you're using something to um, parody it. it or review still, it. You're still you're still slapped with with uh, a content strike. Yeah, um, for those or a who don't know what this, for those who don't know what this means, there are rules in Canada and the United States 
where you can use copyrighted material yeah. within certain circumstances if you're using it to uh, satirize yeah. or lampoon yeah. um, or review, critique uh, the material. Yeah. But if you use any of that content in that context on YouTube, YouTube doesn't give a rat's ass yeah, they about don't, they what's don't. legal on yeah. both sides of the border. They just immediately shut you down. And there is no there is no way to come back at them and say, this is covered under satire rules. This is covered under crit critique rules. They don't even listen to you. So it doesn't matter the fact that they're shutting you down for something that is actually legal. Yeah, it, it was so ridiculous that last month we did some parody songs to, you know, the tunes from The Sound of Music. One of them got demonetized, the other two didn't. And so we're just doing our little, we're doing our little uh, events on Zoom now because, you know, we, we just do this as a fun thing for our supporters for like the game stuff and, and things like that. We don't, we're not making a ton of money on this. So it's either take it to that format or don't do it at all because it's ridiculous. And, and more and more it's harder and harder to start a YouTube channel and get anybody to watch it because discoverability is so poor. And we, we do need assistance for small talent of tomorrow in Canada. We are terrible at developing new talent. All Canada, especially Ontario, seems to want is, is like editing and post-production gigs or, or maybe be a location or two in a big American film. There, there seems to be no appetite to truly develop stuff with any sort of ambition in this country. And, and that's an issue. And that that sort of leans into the, the part of this legislation that I actually think is is more significant. Because, I mean, let's face it, if Canadian advertisers wanted to advertise on Canadian news, Canadian news would be doing a lot better. But it's seen as too polarizing and too negative. People want to put, you know, Tim Hortons will slap ads all over sports, but not news, you know. And where do you put your money in news? The web, the thing. There are things we could do to save local news that we're not doing. I think we should. I there's there's no argument there. I think anybody that that understands the issues knows that local news is extremely important and reduces political polarization among people who consume it. You know the what? Other... Here's my sorry. Before you go on, my prediction, like my other prediction, which is that somebody is going to gather all of these streaming services, they're going to get a bulk discount and they're going to uh, offer all of these uh, like five or six streaming services under one subscription and it'll be the new cable. The other thing I predict is that uh, eventually local news will stop being, uh, being eliminated and it will start to become the more valuable thing. Local news is going to make a comeback largely on the web with a lot of advertising because people are starting to notice that there is a gap a visible gap uh, in news coverage and they want local news. It's, so it's I think it's going to come back. And this kind of pivots to the other legislation that was tabled before the election and then kind of died on the vine and they're, they're reintroducing it. And I think it's a good thing to take another crack at it. The whole, they call it legislation to tackle online harms. This was a thing that blew up like big, big culture war thing in the previous government uh, because the wording of it, this, this is a really thorny issue 
And this is one of those things where somebody who does a lot of business online is, you know, fairly aware of stuff that goes on on the internet more than the average person. This is a really difficult problem. Cutting down on the legitimately bad behavior on the internet, things like, you know, um, non-consensual distribution of intimate images, uh, stalking, exploitation, all that stuff, grooming for trafficking, without curbing the free speech rights of people who are just edgy or kind of mean, you know, and it's really hard to find wording that proactively cuts down on the bad stuff without these the problem is that these companies like youtube and facebook and twitch and they're lazy and they're cheap and so you have to draft legislation that makes them actually do work instead of mass removing content right and again if what I find is the people who need the most protection, say trans people of color, they're the ones that tend to get swept up in mass removal of content because, you know, they talk about things from a different perspective. They tend to be the subject of trolls that mass report, you know, abuse the reporting tools on these services. And they're not big enough on YouTube to be able to contact anybody or advocate in their own defense when they do get a takedown notice. So it's, um, this is difficult. It's a, it's a really, really difficult challenge that we haven't seen in human, human history since, you know, the advent of the movable type printing press in like the 1600s. Well, it's, uh, I, I mean, the thing is that the, it is so hard to police the internet because there are like billions of communications happening every day. And there isn't even a computer program written that can possibly uh, parse through all of that and uh, effectively, effectively identify harms versus somebody making a joke, somebody saying something satirical, being sarcastic. It is, it is a very, I mean, this is huger than anything uh, considered in human imagination uh, for most of uh, the time since we, we came out of the trees. Well, so the, it's uh, it's going to be very difficult to do this. It's very going to be very difficult to balance preventing harms, as they call it, and maintaining uh, freedom of of uh, of uh, what are the freedom of communication? I'll say freedom um, of expression. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the simple reductive thing is it's got to be expensive for these. YouTubes and Facebooks of the world to muck around. You know, they infringe on people's free speech rights. It's got to cost them. They get lazy and don't remove images of somebody that was distributed without their consent. It's got to cost them. Period. End of story. How you draft legislation to make that happen without the company just going, we're pulling out of Canada, which is a very real threat. That's the challenge. Well, the thing is, then you come down to, uh, stopping somebody's freedom of expression well there's certain types of expression that are actually criminal so yes. you gotta you know it, 
It's a freaking huge gray area. I wish the internet had never been created. The world is not better because of it. The world is worse because I, of it. I, I, I like when that. I used to think that the rest of the world was stupid. I don't like the internet making it clear that I was right, that the rest of the world is stupid. I don't have any use for it. We could do just fine without emails. Telephones were good. We didn't need all this, this massive amounts of misinformation. You used to go to the library. There were books there. There were very rarely tons of books, like it wasn't a thousand to one, books that were completely full of BS versus one that was accurate. Most okay, of them were accurate. We didn't need this. We, this is not helping anything, this internet, the hell with it, it. In the early days of the printing press, Ed, it was basically they were printing the Bible and then defamatory pamphlets about public figures, just making stuff up to make public figures look terrible. And then they started printing other books. So there is precedent in human history. We have to figure it out. All right. Um, Now that I've gone on my get off my lawn rant. Yeah, um, you kids, old man yells your clouds. Hey, you kids, get out of my jello tree. For those old enough to remember that commercial, you will laugh. Okay, (laughs) it's uh, we're going to go to break. Come back with a very brief discussion about dogs and uh, the, uh, the plague. So we'll be right back. You're more of a cat person or a dog person, Leanna? Cat person. I have to admit that I love dogs, but I am more of a cat person. Oh, cat person. So to me, the ideal is having a good dog and having a good cat or having good dogs and good cats. Uh, cause the more people I meet, the more I like animals. Uh, yeah, but I should, I should probably specify. I have nothing against dogs. I am not a great dog owner. I just don't have the lifestyle for a dog. I don't, I don't like the, you don't like to take them out for walks in the well, freezing cold. That, that bad smells thing. It's, it's not that it's that I don't have two weeks to devote to a new puppy when you first get it to do all the training and all the socialization well, and that's everything why I think like you, that. No, you go to the, you go to the pound and you get a mature even, dog. Even puppies, then, puppies are then. easy. Uh, people love puppies. They're easy to get adopted. I've always adopted dogs, older dogs. Dogs need a very regimented routine. And I just do not have the lifestyle for a dog. It's not fair to the dog. I have well, a dog, my poor dog, you know, I, I'm very aware your dog of dog is dumb as a bag of hammers. Well, that, yeah, talk about a dog that I did not have in the puppy stage, which I think is why I'm I'm so pro get the dog when the dog is a puppy. I'm all for, you know, mature dogs from, uh, you know, if if you can put in the time, I just can't. And and I mean, the story we're talking about right now is people who got dogs during the pandemic, not recognizing that they're buying a 14 year commitment for a lifestyle that's going to last one or two. And it just really, really frustrates me. Well, I mean, there were the stories about when uh, COVID was, was retreating, people were returning dogs yeah. and cats to the pound. Yeah. They were like, they took the dog. They thought the dog was like, I don't know, um, a, a rental from Blockbuster. Like they took the dog and, and the cat and they were happy to have the companionship when they were isolated. And then, Okay, now goodbye. 
like these are living yeah. things that develop emotional attachments to you and if you're a human being you adopted you 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 have emotional attachments to them too i can't imagine what kind of piece of crap you have to be to think that to, to take in an animal have it share your life like that and then just toss it aside but people are doing that and that's why it, it don't adopt a dog just because you're lonely you're better off adopting a cat they need less far less supervision yeah. and work you just got to clean their litter box you make sure you feed them they'll take yeah. care of the rest um but uh dog but because of this this uh rush of people buying uh, or getting in dogs especially uh pet stores have reported a huge increase in business oh i can't get certain foods for my animals it's actually cat food i can't get a specific like uh hypoallergenic cat food but even dog stuff i mean trying to find a groomer during the COVID lockdown <laughs> and dogs need grooming it they actually like they locked down dog groomers last winter i have a particular breed of dog where if he doesn't get groomed he gets ice pellets between his paws it actually causes him pain and i couldn't get my blinking dog groomed so i took the clippers to my dog myself and then of course my family made fun of me because i did my best but these are living things they are these are not um reach these are not expensive purses that you buy to make yourself feel better these are living things and people were yeah, uh, I, people were running uh like black market uh dog grooming out of like their garages i i totally get why it was ridiculous it's clear that nobody in the ontario government is a real pet owner with these concerns because they they didn't i mean they bungled so much of the early covid response in this province but just it just 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 ridiculous and people getting these animals not thinking and i mean dogs especially if they're they're in all the all the doggy coats and all that stuff that's not a substitute for actual proper pet parenting especially if you're going back to work now and you're going to have a dog with separation anxiety because they're used to you being around all the time. Expect a lot of things to be chewed. Yeah. All right. Um, Liana can be found at Red Liana K on Twitter. Her internet channel, her, her internet channel, her YouTube channel mm. is Liana K. Um, she's got a, uh, a Zoom party coming up uh, this coming Tuesday. How do people get involved in being part of that live? Uh... Uh, you can go to chiptunescabaretticketleap.com slash a justice carol. Nobody's going to follow that, but chiptunes. Chiptunes slash cabaret, chiptunes hyphen cabaret at ticketleap.com slash a justice carol, or just check out my Twitter feed. Yeah, check out our Twitter feed. A justice carol is a uh, humorous uh, updating or take on a Christmas carol, and it's a bit of a, it's a radio play with visuals. And it's very funny. It All right. fun of current events. Find me at uh, newmusicnation.ca. Liana's there too. Um, and that's it. Uh, thank you, Liana. Thank you, Ed. I don't know that we'll be back here next week because it's Christmas Eve day. Right. Maybe we will. Um, it'll be a Christmas Eve special. Um, and then the 31st, we'll probably be here. So we'll probably be here. Okay. Um, and uh, to all of you, um, like I always say at the end of the show, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>